the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matter. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. One of the very first adult movies I ever saw was 9 to 5 that had Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Dabney Coleman in it, and it was all about working nine to five. What happens on the other side of that coin? Retirement means we no longer work nine to five. Four phases of retirement, we're going to talk about them because I think we all know about working, right? Well, maybe COVID kind of threw that off for some of us. What does it mean to work? And maybe it even gave us a little taste of retirement. One of the first things that comes to mind is pre retirement, getting ready for retirement. Let's bring on CFP. Chad Burton. He is regional director at EP Wealth. He is a friend and we have worked together for many, many moons. Chad, welcome into the show. Thanks, Mr. Black. How are you? Good. Um, Did you see 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton? I did. Okay. So let's do the opposite of that. Instead of working for the man, (laughs) let's talk about retirement. What's the first thing that comes to mind when we start talking about pre-retirement? Is it 10 years before? What does that mean to you? I don't know, but now the song working nine to five I did is it. gonna be in my head all day long. So thank you for that. I'm starting to like Dolly Parton more and more as I get older. Like she she never says a bad thing about anyone. Yeah, it just seems to be a pretty sweet lady. Kind of the hair throws you off a little bit, but um a lot of respect in the music industry for sure. That's a wig. <laughs> well, it's over top wig, hair, whatever you want to call it. Oh, uh, so yeah, working well, it's interesting because the, the whole idea of what retirement is is, is drastically changing, right? The, okay. If you ask a millennial or younger what retirement means, it's like I'm sitting on a porch with gray hair and a rocking chair, you know, watching the neighbors. That's <laughs> and the, the happiest people that I have in retirement of my clients are the ones that will tell you, I don't know how I had, used to have time to work. I'm so busy now that okay. I don't know how the heck did I find time to go to work. Um, because whether it's grandkids and and you know exercise and golf and charity events that they do, um, they're just busy and, and that means happy. Um, you know, even personally for me, Rob, I, my idea of what retirement has changed a lot. Seeing my kids grow up and realizing with one that, kid that's six and one that's almost twenty three, wow, there's a there's pockets of time where they want to hang out with you and where they don't want to hang out with you. So enjoy it while you can. And it's, it's been fun to say, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, maybe I'll save a little less this year and travel more with my family 
um, because I don't mind working past age 65. I love what I do and it keeps you sharp. Um, you know, so I, I like to enjoy life now a little bit more versus when, oh, I got to save, I got to save so I can retire when I'm 55. That is not in my plan anymore. Is it something we should talk over with our spouse or should we just plan on our own? Kind of like the way I've lived my life because oh, she's a lot like living with a dead woman. <laughs> she doesn't really talk to me. I feel like I'm in the movie The Sixth Sense sometimes when I'm married. <laughs> you definitely should talk about it with your spouse, especially if there's an age difference. Okay. Right? I mean, that, that's where I see a lot of the struggles. I mean, first of all, oftentimes when people retire, that's a, it's a bigger event and a change in lifestyle than becoming an empty nester, right? And when you have that, you go from, we can't do anything because we have young kids to all of a sudden our kids are out of the house. We can do anything we want. And, uh, but they're still working yet. They still have, you know, they have time, free weekends now, times to take vacations by themselves and spouses sometimes get, you know, closer. In retirement, all of a sudden, you're spending a lot more time, and people got a little bit of taste of that when it came to COVID. That's why divorce rates went way up during COVID. People got sick of each other. <laughs> so, one of the things is that you go you go from this emotional situation where you're you're at work, you're you're highly valued, high income earner. Everybody's asking for your help, and you feel valued. To now, I'm retired, and I don't have a game plan for my life. What's going to get me out of bed every day? Uh, and Sometimes, you know, spouses realize that, oh gosh, we've grown apart. We're not the same at all. And you get that gray divorce situation. So you've, you've got to talk about what retirement means to you. And especially if there's a big age difference where, hey, I, I'm, I'm 65. It's time for me to retire, but you need to keep working until you're 65. And if people don't talk about that and one person retires, the other person's continuing to go to work, there's a little bit of resentment that builds up I've seen in, in marriages. You know, my spouse, who will call for the sake of fun on the show, Smelly, um, she's probably going to outlive me. She's healthier. She's skinnier. Um, she eats better than I do. Is that something we should talk about? Like, is there something more than just a, yeah, you're probably going to be a widow. You can date if you want to kind of conversation going. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, it's something you have to talk about. Number one, it's when you take Social Security. Okay. Because your first instinct might be, hey, I'm, mm -hmm. I don't seem like I'm very healthy. I don't think I'll have longevity. I don't think I'll live past 80. So I'm going to take Social Security at 62 when I retire. But you may not realize that when you're married, when the first person dies, the smaller check goes away and the survivor keeps the bigger check. So even if you're not healthy, if you have the higher earnings history and the higher Social Security income, you should wait till you're 70 because your spouse is going to live well into their 80s, 90s, maybe 100. And so you need to leave them a bigger check. Let's get some free planning in for me. Sounds like we should take her social security early and let mine ride until I die. It depends. Um, so when you're, when you're married, it depends on our work history because, you know, smelly stayed home with the kids. <laughs> I, I love that you fell for that. I love that you're doing it. <laughs> oh man, I can't do that. But um, she's, if she's, you know, doesn't have the same work history as you because she spent a lot of time at home with the kids. And so her, when she get, takes social security, it's going to be her number or half of yours, whichever's larger. And so it just depends. You got to do some modeling. Okay. Got it. How about the idea of paychecks? Um, does, have you ever seen in a client, someone kind of like freak out because they used to be able to fall back on, I could play, pay for a roof fix or I could pay for a pool fix with my paycheck, but now suddenly it's dipping into your savings, your retirement, your nest egg. I feel like I'm going to twitch when that happens. 
Oh, you are. Because everybody does this linear cash flow planning. Here's my expenses and here's my portfolio. How long will it last? But then, oh, I got to get a new car every seven to 10 years. I got to remodel my home and there's maintenance. And I want to take vacations. And then my kids have kids and there's grandkids and there's gifting. You, you have to think a lot about that. And, and even going back to the original topic of, you know, if you're going to, if Smelly's going to outlive you, when, when one person dies, it's only like food costs and a couple of other things that get cut in half. All the other expenses do not get cut in half. So you got to do some modeling if, if Social Security income goes away at the first person's death. Let's see, we've hit a lot of the pre-retirement. Coming up in the next segment, I want to talk about the early years, which I would refer to as maybe 65 to 70, mm-hmm. 75. And then as we, the show goes on, I want to hit middle retirement where you're starting to think about getting a Tesla wheelchair. Um, you know, that'll probably be around in 15 years, right? And then final <laughs> stage of retirement will be something of long being in bed waiting to uh, being in bed and waiting to die. I know you're saying you have a dark. Oh, you're making of, this sound great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my golden years on Golden Pond, right? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think I have the healthiest image of retirement because when I was six or seven, my grandmother, my only extended family, um, my dad was an orphan. My mom's dad died when she was three. So my grandmother was it. She had Alzheimer's disease and I didn't know how to say it. So I called it old timers and she was bedridden for basically all of my childhood before she died. That's my image of retirement and that's not fun. Um, Chad's got a different image of retirement. He deals with a lot of retirees. He has a CFP. He's a regional director with EP Wealth. You can find him at chadburton.com. I feel like the early years may be the gravy of retirement, Chad, and not, how shall we say, the latter years. The early part, maybe I'll see my kids get married. Maybe I'll travel to my kids' colleges. Maybe I'll see some things in the world that I haven't seen before. That sounds good. Does it sounds better than working for the man? What are your thoughts about early retirement? Because you do have to start thinking about this and, and what is how it's going to play out for you. Well, if you have a lot of passions and activities that you like to do, travel plans, philanthropy you know, grandkids and things like that, it can be great if you save enough and you're willing to, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're retiring in your, let's say mid fifties, right. Mm -hmm. You know, mid fifties, you're probably to make sure you have enough money to fight inflation in the long run. You should probably only be living off of like the dividends and interest in your portfolio. No principal draws like, you know, two, two and a half percent. Um, you got to leave a lot in there for later in life because you're going to be every 18 years, the amount of money that you're pulling out of your portfolio is going to double with inflation. And we're likely going to see a five to 10 year period of higher inflation because we went through about 20 years of lower than average inflation. The other thing is health insurance costs. You know, most people are, if you know, with working for somebody, they have full coverage and they've got COBRA for 18 months. And then if you want to get a comparable plan, you got to look at the cost of the covered California platinum plan in California, for example, pretty expensive. And then if you have kids that are still in college, they're going to be on your plan until they're age 26. So, you know, I'm seeing people spend, you know, somewhere between uh, two to 4,000 a month on health insurance costs for a full family. You know, that's a, that's a lot of money to plan for. You're not on Medicare until age 65. So the, the other thing is, is, is there other ways to do it? Like taking longer sabbaticals or more vacation in your 40s, 50s, 60s and, and just working longer? Because the way that I've seen it play out since I've been in this business since I was 19, almost, you know, be 29 years in August. Um, 
is I see that smiley face situation that we talk about, Rob, in retirement. You know how you, you spend more in the beginning years of retirement doing the bucket list stuff and then life slows down a little bit and then you start spending a lot more on healthcare costs. Well, a lot of times if you keep your mind sharp, your, your body might age, but you can still be in the, the game, right? In terms of working, like my grandfather worked, you know, not quite till the day he died, but he was always kind of coming in the office and hanging out a little bit. Um, but physically, he couldn't do a lot. Like he was, you know, 17 pills a day and fighting diabetes, you know, dialysis three days a week that my mom and I would take turns taking him to. Like, I want to get the fun stuff in life done now when my body's able. And um, so I'm willing to put off retirement date a little bit because I enjoy what I do. Interesting. My father you don't enjoy what you do, it's, it's like, you know, that, you're a different situation. I hate my job. I want to get out of this. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's a different story than my story, right? I hear that. So my father-in-law, when he retired, he retired early, like in his 50s. He kind of started getting into gardening. And now he's 83 plus years old and he's going strong and he still gardens. And um, you're right. You know, having some physical and mental stimulation will definitely go far. Now, there's a statistic, Chad, that 40% of retirees move after they stop working. Um, we talked about the kids leaving and going to college. Um, you become an empty nest. You don't need as much space. What are your thoughts that we need to know on downsizing a home or selling a home and finding the next home? Because you can only make so many purchases in retirement because they're expensive when you buy a home. Mm-hmm. Well, the Prop 19 made that a little bit easier. Um, it, it made it tough to pass on a home to your heirs because your heirs no longer get to keep your property tax basis on your home. Okay. So you're going to see more and more homes sold off as people die versus kept in the family because property taxes will jump. You know, let's say you got a $2 million Bay Area home, they're going to jump from 3000 a month to you know, twenty grand a year or something like that, right? whatever the number is. But with Prop 19, you can pretty much go anywhere in California and keep the property tax base on your current home. So if you want to downsize, you can maintain your property tax base. And so that, that's going to make it easier. But what I'm seeing a lot of now, Rob, is people have this idea, I'm going to downsize my home or I'm going to move from California to Arizona. Well, Arizona housing prices jumped a ton mm-hmm. and now building costs are drastically through the roof. And then every time people move, they end up doing like all new furniture or they, they downsize and they remodel a house and costs are way higher than they think. And again, all new furniture, which has gotten very expensive. So I'm kind of seeing more and more of that downsize backfiring a bit that they end up spending way more than they think just setting up the new place. And that's aside from, you know, resetting your entire social network if you move far away from your existing home. So I would be very, very cautious and really think through that plan. Okay, I'm going to downsize. I'm going to sell this house. But guess what? All this furniture that I have now, probably not going to work in my new home. What's that going to cost? How far am I? How long am I going to have to wait for a couch with a supply chain issue? Um, I ordered a new bed a month and a half ago, Rob. It's not going to be here till mid-May. I ordered a kitchen table eight months ago. Still not here. Yeah. So I'm with you. Supply chain's an issue more now than it was back in COVID. Ridiculous. But uh, so I've also seen, you're, you're talking about a very, it sounds smooth the way you talk about it, Chad. I've seen a friend's parents retire. They moved, uh, they were military families. They lived all over, but they moved to Reno. They loved it. And then the dad got into a bit of depression and he got panicked and he wanted 24-7 access to healthcare and he sold the home and he moved in with one of his kids into the basement. Then he hated it and 
tried to kill himself. Like the whole figuring out your your home isn't as easy as, well, then you're going to downsize and then you're going to move to your next home and you're going to keep your property taxes. It's it's not really a step-by-step plan, is it? No, I recently, you know, as you know, my my dad retired in Ecuador and luckily yep. where they are, the healthcare is pretty good. Um, but I, I, one of their friends that was also an expat retired there, you know, between the COVID lockdowns and healthcare issues and everything else recently moved back to the States. They just couldn't, it just didn't work out as well as they thought they spent about 11 years there, I think. So bad. And then it just, things started to change and healthcare family issues and things like that. They ended up back in the States. Um, I'm, I, you know, the one thing is you do a financial plan now, it gives you a base, but things change drastically. I've seen people go from, hey, I'm going to travel a ton the first 10, 15 years from retirement. As soon as they have a grandkid, they, they move and they live next door to the grandkid and all they want to do is hang out with the grandbaby. You know, life changes. What about the later years where we look at our parents and we don't trust them anymore? Like We're not going to put the baby in their hands because they may drop the baby and you're not supposed to drop the baby. How about those years where you be get kind of fragile. What's the relationship? I know. Don't Grandma shake the baby. the baby again. God, don't shake gosh. the baby. Don't drop the baby. <laughs> Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. We've been talking a little bit about retirement today, Chad, and one of the areas I want to circle back on is those last final years um, when your health starts going down. Um, One of the things my dad did well was he worked basically until the day he died, and he didn't linger a lot, which lingering costs a lot of money when you have to pay for a nurse, when you have to get the health care. He basically kicked over dead. Um, I know it sounds harsh, but... The opposite is even harsher, watching your mom slowly die. Uh, the, the latter years, what do we know? What do we should we know as children of aging parents? And what should we know when we're aging parents that we should pass on to our children to help us through those years? Well, what I see most of is the, the care, the responsibility typically falls on one sibling. So, especially if you have you know, two or three siblings, you usually have one that's closest to mom or yep. dad. Um, and it just becomes a very stressful situation and some resentment can build up. And if that person isn't compensated for the extra work that they do, either through a higher inheritance or, you know, getting compensated for that help, it, it can affect the relationship with, you know, your brothers and sisters. Um, so first of all, if you're in a situation like that and you realize that your brother or your sister is doing a majority of the work, majority of the care, you have to realize how stressful that is and that they should be compensated for, you know, in the sandwich generation. So a lot of times it, it's the same, you know, let's say a stay at home, let's say it's your sister, Rob, and she was a stay at home mom. The kids are off to college and, and you know, there should be some more freedom now and maybe back to a career, but instead they're caring for their parents right now. Um, and it's just like caring for one generation to caring for the next generation. And it's, it's, it's really stressful. Um, and I've seen it, you know, even in my own family, um, where there's a couple of people that still don't really talk well to each other as a result of it. So 
getting involved, you know, it depends on if there's money or not, right? It's like if, sure. if parents have assets, then it's really hard sometimes to get a, uh, a, a parent to realize that, you know, you're, you're losing some independence. It's very tough for somebody to say, okay, I've got to give up my home that I've lived in for the last 20 or 30 years and go into um, some sort of a community situation where maybe I start off with my own apartment or cottage where I can, you know, get some occasional care to assisted living where somebody's always there to, to then, you know, very few go into full-fledged nursing homes where there's 24-hour nursing care. But how do you get to that point? Because often it's kind of a slow bleed from you're starting to notice mom or dad have some memory issues or whatever it may be to that point where they're in assisted living or have care. It's a rough transition and it's a long transition. And oftentimes getting what's called a you know, a care manager or um, geriatric family support is something where you can get an outside party to come in and help, especially if all the siblings are too busy with work to help mom and dad with bills and finances and arranging their pills so that they're taking the medication at the right times of day. You know, it's, it's, there are care managers out there that do that and then help try to facilitate the transition from you living, your parents living at home to the next level. What is that? Is that community uh, type of situation or assisted living, adult daycare, whatever it may be. Um, but it's good to have family meetings about it. And it's good to talk about it, you know, prior to your mid to late seventies with your kids. I hear you. Everything you just said was my family. My sister took care of my mother in her final years. I've got an older brother who he's the least successful of the family and he wants the most out of it. And that whole year after my mom died where the estate was settling, he kept like, hey, when are we getting that money? Hey, can I get the money? Hey, can I get the money? It's turned into no one likes him anymore. Um, So it's stressful and it's not what the parents want to do to their children. I guess we can call that segment done and move on to maybe keep the theme of talking to your parents because one day you're going to be the old person that need to talk to your kids. You and I, we've been pretty good stock pickers in our life. and We're probably a little overconfident at times because we've lived in a easily a 20-year bull market time period of our life, it feels like. What's it like when we hit retirement? Because you said earlier in the show, we're about to hit more inflation because we went through such a long period of subdued inflation. That makes me nervous when it comes to picking stocks because I don't know how good I am at picking stocks during inflation versus non-inflationary environments. Well, I'd, first of all, I'd argue against the 20-year bull market because remember, we're, you know, we're, we, we just dealt with the, the credit crisis where the market, you know, topped in 2007 and bottomed in March of 2009, uh, mm-hmm. and then and then COVID. So we've dealt with some some extensive declines, uh, in the since we've been doing this together since 1999 on radio. Um, we have had a period of low inflation. We've had periods where we've we've seen stocks and bonds now become closely correlated, where stocks and bonds went up for a couple years in a row, and now stocks and bonds are going down at the same time. Um, I mean, the S&P 500 is down seven, but the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index is down about five, Rob. So it's like balanced portfolios are taking a hit from all ends except commodity exposure. Now, the best way to fight inflation over time is investing in stocks. I mean, plain and simple, because most of the companies figure out a way to do price increases um, or give you less product. I mean, that's the big thing that's happening again right now, like it happened in... Uh, the, the late 70s, early 80s, where if you look at a cereal box from the front, it looks like it's the same cereal box as three years ago. But if you look at it from the side, it's thinner. 
or you see stories where people opened up a bag of potato chips full of air and there was three potato chips in there. You know, it's, that's the saddest story I've heard in a while. It's you're, you're getting less for the same amount and you're somewhat getting duped, right? That's how a lot of companies are dealing with the inflation costs now. Now, so far, companies have actually had a lot of pricing power and they've been able to adjust production. So for example, a lot of the auto companies are producing less cars, but charging more for the cars that they're selling. And so far, there's not been much of a demand destruction. The demand is still there. Uh, I was talking for a guy that um, you know, sells these big semi-trucks okay. and you know, the, the de- 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 demand is off the charts. It's still there, but they can't get the trucks to deliver. Right? They get supply chain issues, but the demand has not been destructed yet by higher costs. So stocks, you know, companies figure out how to deal with political environments and inflationary environments. And there's certain levels like, you know, we're, we're lucky enough, Rob, to where we are. I mean, we, gosh, the amount of work that we put in in our early years where we'd work, you know, 12, 14 hour days and then do seminars, two seminars on a Saturday, two seminars on a Sunday and, you know, families paid for it back then. We, we built enough so that we're, we're where we are. If, if we're paying two bucks at the gallon or eight bucks at the gallon, it's not going to drastically affect our lifestyle. We'll still pay more for an iPhone, right? Next time our iPhone needs an upgrade. Um, we'll still be able to buy a new car when our car gets too old. You know, we're, there's companies that have that pricing power and cater towards the, the higher income, but the, the people are just going to get hurt with this. And they've been hurt from the COVID shutdowns or lower and middle class, especially single parents that are dealing with the kids and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's going to be sad, but stocks still figure out a way to figure, you know, companies figure out a way around inflationary environments, political environments. The best way to hedge against inflation is to buy stocks. Uh, commodities to commodities funds um, that buy everything from precious metals to coffee to, you know, soybeans and pork bellies and stuff like that are also good in this type of environment. Um, so like lowering consumer discretionary stocks, but increasing materials and you know, energy stocks has been a wise thing to do recently. It's uh, interesting so because... Commodities the, and stocks and you know, tips are down for the year. A lot of people wanted to go buy tips, but tips are down about 2% what, for the year. What's up with that? Because we hear about inflation and tips stand for Treasury Inflation Protected Security. Inflation protected is the underlying words. Why are tips down? How do they work? Well, so what happens in, is the face value is adjusted when inflation goes up of the bond. So if inflation goes up, the face value can go up. But also, bond traders are a bit smarter than stock traders. These things were already up and almost overvalued the previous two years. And so now that the numbers came into play, they're not reacting like a lot of people thought they would. So um, it's just one of those things where the, the, the price movement was already there prior to the inflation numbers becoming the news. So buy on the rumor, sell on the news. It's kind of the deal. I'm not saying to sell tips if you own them. <laughs> so let me correct that before we go. <laughs> but that's why they've been disappointing. Yeah. And like when I said 20-year bull market, I wasn't really saying we haven't had any periods of down in there. But it's been a pretty healthy environment since you and I were in our 20s to be an investor. Um, and I worry about in the next 20 years now, will that environment change? And you, know, you brought up the phrase of it, inflation's higher now. We expect a longer period where it's higher. But also like, do you remember 20 years ago we were talking about retirement and how retirees have the higher inflation, whereas you and I went from a 30-inch TV when we first met each other to a 100-inch TV. Um, and the prices always came down. 
inflation on seniors is it's it's, it's a little tougher to deal with per se. Yeah, got about one percent. You got five percent on on healthcare costs that we always inflate, but other assets too. I mean, we're having to be because of COVID and kind of just in time inventory backfiring right now. We're having to bring a lot of that production back into the U.S., which means higher wages equating to higher prices. It's plain right. and simple. So we're going to deal with higher inflation and still historically low interest rates here for a while. In our lives, when we're younger, we have to deal with mortgage rates and buying a home now, putting it off, renting. There's different issues financially that come up and different questions and different styles of answers. Let's get some more answers from regional director and CFP, Chad Burton. He's got a team of financial planners in the Bay Area and in Portland. Um, If you want to make an appointment, he can schedule it online with you. Let's talk about delaying Social Security, Chad, as a way of fighting inflation. Is it a, a pure apples for apples comparison that you get a raise by delaying it? And that seems to offset inflation? Or should I look a little deeper for the, the true math there? Well, I think everybody looks a little deeper for the true math because part of it has to do with longevity. So if, especially for the high income earner in a couple, um, even if they don't have a long life expectancy, if their check's going to be larger, when it, as we mentioned earlier on the show, if uh, you have a married couple and both of them work, um, if one of them has the higher income, the other spouse with the lower income will either get half of the spouse's social security or their own social security benefit, whichever is greater, right? So even if the person with a higher income has, hey, maybe I'm only going to live till I'm 70, 70, or let's say 75 or 80, they still might want to delay social security till age 70 so that if they die, the spouse is left with a higher check. And by delaying Social Security from age, your full retirement age to age 70, the math tends to work out to be about an 8% rate of return on your money by doing that. Now, where else can you get a you know, guaranteed 8% rate of return? Nowhere. It does not exist. It's a pretty if good guarantee. telling you that, it's probably a scam. <laughs> so just be aware of that. And um, at the same time, now that we're probably going to see a period of higher inflation, remember Social Security goes up with a certain rate of inflation. And so now you now have a bigger check that it, it's at age 70 that is then going to be adjusted upwards with inflation that could be higher numbers than ever. So it's even more important to delay that Social Security if you think one of you is going to live into your uh, 80s or beyond. You also brought up tips earlier in the show, and I probably should have followed up with another question. Are people buying tips now? Because I remember like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a big thing. And we had to, every, t- every show we did, we'd go, yeah, you should do this tips order. And you had to do it online through the treasury.gov. It was a complicated process. Does that sound right? Does, or am I remembering that wrong? No, no, no. We were saying people to buy I-bonds all the time. I-bonds, that's was, right. Yeah. And so that you used to be able to buy 30 grand a year. And so a married couple could you know, essentially find a way to buy 90 grand. And there's a base rate. And then there's an inflation rate and the inflation rate changes every six months. Um, and so people are still earning, you know, a lot of money on those I bonds. They grow tax deferred. And when you cash them in, they're not taxable at the state level. Um, and I bonds, their inflation rate right now is really high. But I'm trying to tell people that, you know, as we get through this inflationary period where we're into next year, where the, the, we're not going to continue to see 7% inflation, right? The, the comparables are going to get easier. And the inflation line will flatten a bit. Um, so, you know, you're going to expect to earn a lot less than you are in I-bonds now. So they will adjust. Tips are a little bit different, Rob. Tips are what you can buy in your 401k or, you know, mutual funds or an ETF TIP. 
mm-hmm. and it has a lower uh, income, right? The, the, the yield on a tip is much lower, but the face value can be adjusted to fight inflation is about kind of the easiest way to explain this. Um, but people were already buying these in anticipation of inflation. So we went into the year with them a little bit overvalued. Okay. Um, and we tend to not buy tips directly. We, we, we have in our bond exposure, we have our core bond exposure. And then we have our strategic bond exposure where we let the managers decide when to go in and out of things like tips. And um, so, you know, we own them through those types of funds, but we'll let the bond managers themselves make that call. Uh, but just today, um, Jacqueline Sargent in Financial Advisor Magazine came out with an article saying inflation poses a threat to American retirement savings and talked about a couple of different things. And, um, you know, they, they, ta- they talked about tips um, and how a lot of target date funds have added tips and commodities. But she points out that, uh, or she, she looked at the study by Sorelli and Associates, and they said, that Sorelli pointed out that tips and commodities are two of the most prevalent inflation hedging instruments, but they have been historically disappointing generating much lower returns in public equities. In public equities, that's just stocks, just the right. S&P 500 in general. So stocks over a 15, 20-year period is still the best way to fight inflation. Final question, because we're almost out of time. It may not be a final question, but penultimate question, we'll call it. Um, where are you looking at retirement? If you have a client right now who's like in California and it's a tough state to live in with taxes, um, sales taxes, We've heard Florida and Arizona are much more friendly. What states are you telling people maybe you should retire there? And I'm only asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, you got to practice because it's really tough giving up your home and your property tax base. Yep. So I w- I've been telling people, you know, pick a couple of different locations, get some long-term Airbnb rentals where you stay, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, see what you like. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times people that be happy if they're moving from the Bay Area need kind of two locations, maybe a home in Idaho or, or Washington for the summer and spring uh, or summer and fall, but then they got to get out because of the snow and the cold and they, they have a, you know, Arizona home, but Arizona prices have skyrocketed. Obviously. I mean, Scottsdale is a new California. Uh, I've and got a friend. Again, who, I've got a friend who thinks of himself as very savvy and he just moved to Georgia. Like yeah. he says, Georgia is the new Arizona. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, transition Mideast or just out of the country. So you've got like, you know, Ecuador and Colombia and a lot of those places. But again, you have to consider it at a phase of retirement and deal with healthcare issues later in life. My luck, I'd move to the Russian state named Georgia. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'll drop it right there. Yeah, uh, any last thought? Any last thoughts as we wind up? 30. Um, good time to consider IRA to Roth conversions in kind. So if you're, you were going to do run... You could take small cap or textile investments that are, are still depressed and 14% off their highs and do your IRA to Roth conversions in kind if your advisors are telling you that. You can find CFP Chad Burton on podcast. Apple and Google has a button on your phone called podcast. Punch in Chad Burton, new focus on wealth, and you will find him there. You can find him here Wednesday mornings at six. You can find him on this show oftentimes. If you're looking to work with a CFP, find him at chadburton.com. He is a regional director, quite a title, uh, well-deserved and well-earned, and also a CFP. Find him at chadburton.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.